you will, and turn to the book of Genesis with me. Let me say just a couple things. First of all, I want to say a big thank you to all of our, uh, our events team and some of our decoration uh, team who came and, and started getting everything ready for fall. Boy, everything looks really beautiful, doesn't it? And they did a great job decorating, and we, sh- we want to say thank you to them. I hope that you'll be back tonight. I hope you'll be back tonight. Lord willing, we're going to be, we're going to be teaching again tonight on the millennial reign of Christ. And so we've done that now for about three Sundays, and, um, and the Lord's really used it, and the Lord's really blessed. Uh, and so we got done last Sunday morning, uh, let's see, last Sunday morning, yes, because Brother Ernesto preached last Sunday night, and a uh, lot of feedback, and, uh, and so we wanna, we're going to go a little further with that tonight, and so I hope that you will be in the service this evening. It's been a busy, busy week this week, and, uh, and so... Uh, I had the privilege of preaching here on Wednesday night, enjoyed, enjoyed Wednesday night preaching here, and then Thursday night preaching over a camp meeting, and then uh, my wife and I were involved in a marriage seminar on Friday and Saturday, and I spoke five times uh, over at the marriage seminar. And so I'm just trying to think, Lord, how in the world am I going to get everything in this week and get studied, and because and, uh, I, I never, ever, ever, ever want to give... Calvary. I want Calvary to have first place at all times. But the Lord was gracious. I said that to say this, the Lord was gracious. And I had two messages. God didn't give me one. God gave me two messages that I wanted to preach that I thought I was going to preach. One of those, at least, I was going to preach this morning. And so the Lord worked, and I studied, and I got those messages prepared. And then I got up early this morning to look over those messages. Quit laughing, Brother Mike, because he's been there. And uh, I got up early this morning to look over those messages, and the Lord said, it's not the one. And I thought, Lord, if that ain't the one, I hope you give me the one real fast. And uh, no, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I got up this morning, my heart was burdened. And my heart was burdened for Israel. And so most of you by now have watched the news. And if you haven't watched the news, I'm going to let the guys, <clears throat> I'm going to let the guys keep a little video and play a little video for you. And uh, just a minute long maybe. And then after that, I'm going to draw your attention to the scripture today. And so anyway, uh, run that video for us if you will, fellas. Citizens of Israel, we are at war not in an operation or in rounds, but at war. This morning, Hamas launched a murderous surprise attack against the state of Israel and its citizens. I have ordered an extensive mobilization of reserves and that we return fire of a magnitude that the enemy has not known. The enemy will pay an unprecedented price. And this is a statement from the... So yesterday, Israel was, uh, was attacked. Now, I know a lot of times we say, well... Uh, you, you know, uh, that Israel's in the news all the time, and there, there is some truth to that. But yesterday, Israel was attacked in what we would call an unprecedented manner. Uh, not only was their, their border breached, and I don't know how many have watched the news. How many, how many of you have watched some of the news about Israel? A lot of you have. A lot of you have not. And so yesterday, Israel was attacked, by the way, on what they call Shabbat, which is Sabbath which is a very sacred day in Israel. Even to this day, um, on Friday night, about 5.30 on Friday night, 
You better make sure that you have everything that you need because about 5.30, everything's going to close down. All the grocery stores are going to close. All the gas stations are going to close. Everything's going to shut down on Sabbath or what they call Shabbat. And then it won't open back up again until the uh, Sabbath is over. And so yesterday is considered a day of rest for Israel. Israel actually goes back to work today. Um, uh, they consider today the first day of their work week. <clears throat> and so they, they, they uh, observe Sabbath on Saturday <clears throat> and go back to work on Sunday. So the Sabbath is considered to be a sacred day. It's considered to be a holy day. It's also considered to be a day of rest for them. And yesterday on October the 7th, Israel was attacked like never before, or at least like it's not been that way in many, many years. Their border was breached, but not only that, but they were attacked from the air. They were also attacked from water. And so, as you know, right as of right now, hundreds, hundreds of Israelis have been, have been killed. And uh, the Hamas leader, Muhammad Deef, said this, this is the day of the greatest battle to end the last occupation on earth. <clears throat> now, because of that, I got up this morning just sort of pressed in my spirit and I just felt like I needed to address this from the pulpit. We've been in a series on biblical prophecy anyway, and so I thought, well, maybe this is a, maybe this is a great opportunity to do that. So what I'm going to give you this morning is incredibly simple, um, but let me, let me tell you what I'm burdened about. I'm burdened especially for our young people, because I think there's a lot of young people here this morning that don't have a clue about why is it even important. Who cares, preacher, about Israel or Hamas or Palestine or, I mean, doesn't have anything to do with me. Well, actually, it has a lot to do with you, a lot. And I'm going to show you that this morning. And so I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 32. Hope that's what I told you. And I want you to, uh, when you find your place, if you'll stand this morning out of respect for the reading of God's Word, Genesis chapter number 32 in your Bibles, and we're going to read some scripture, and I'm just going to give you several uh, simple principles, and then we're going to let you go today. And uh, so Genesis chapter 32, and look, if you will, please, in uh, verse number 22, Genesis 32 and verse 22, and I want to talk to you about this subject, what's so special about Israel? What's so special about Israel? Genesis 32, verse number 22, the Bible says, and he, Jacob, and he rose up that night and took his two wives and his two women servants and his 11 sons and passed over the ford Jabbok. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over that he had. And Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Now, let me stop real quickly and say this. So, in this story, the Bible tells us the angel of the Lord is wrestling with Jacob. Uh, there are many scholars who believe that this was a, that there's a, a, a very good chance that this was none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. 
that this was what we would call a Christophany in the Old Testament, that Jesus actually met with Jacob and wrestled with Jacob. And the Bible says that his, uh, that his thigh was, uh, was taken out of joint, verse 26. And he said, Jacob, and he said, let me go for the day breaketh. Uh, and he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he, the angel, and he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob, look at verse 28. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. But thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. You may be seated this morning. And I want to just talk to you real quickly about this subject. What's so special about Israel? I mean, we're hearing a lot about that all over the news this morning. And and indeed it should be. Uh, what is so special about Israel? And so we're gonna show you some of that from the word of God today. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer and keep your Bibles open. We are gonna turn to several places today. How many of you are are too cool this morning? Raise your hand if you're too cool. All right. So Brother Rick, if you'll adjust that and make sure we get everybody comfortable this morning. Let's go to the Lord. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for uh, this beautiful day of life that you've given to us. And thank you for the privilege to, to be here today. And Lord, I pray now that you'll uh, bless our time together. Uh, Lord, I know already ahead of time, this is gonna be uh, elementary. It's gonna be very, very simple. Uh, but Lord, I pray that, you'll, uh, I, I pray that you'll, you'll use it. I pray that you'll direct, this is the direction I feel like you wanted me to go this morning. And so I pray that you'll help us and I pray that you'll instruct us. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would bless Israel today. I pray for her protection God, I pray for her salvation. I pray that, Lord, you would do a great work, uh, Lord, in this little nation called Israel. And so, Lord, bless our time together now. I pray for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful for that song that Miss Mandy just sang about the blood, and we plead the blood of Jesus over this service. And now, Lord, I pray that you'd wake us up, and, Lord, get us attentive, and I pray that we would learn something that would be a help and a blessing to our, our Christian lives. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name and for his sake. And all God's people said, amen. If you get in your Bibles and study your Bibles, you'll find out that the name of Israel is used many, many times. In fact, it is used over 2,000 times, 2,300 and 300 times, 2,303 times uh, the uh, word Israel is used in the word of God. But here's the question that I wanna address this morning. Why should Christians even be concerned about Israel? What's the big deal, preacher? I mean, you know, it really doesn't matter. That's been a long, long time ago. I've never lived there, you may say. Never been there. Some of you would say I've never been there. And, uh, you know, I'm an American, and I could really care less. I mean, I, I mean, you know, it's really, really no big deal. And on top of that now... We're hearing much propaganda that's being taught and that's being peddled in our nation and around the world that is very anti, very, very anti-Israel. We have politicians that, uh, that are holding offices right now in America that are very anti-Israel. They're against Israel. Now we have college professors that are teaching our young people and our universities that uh, there's no significance to Israel, that Israel's not important, that we should actually be against Israel. And, uh, and 
and we have, again, we have leaders that are pulling their help away from Israel. And somebody says, preacher, I don't, I don't really understand any of that anyway. Uh, you know, why should we have any allegiance to Israel? Why, why should we have any loyalty to Israel? Uh, you know, why should I care? On top of that, Israel is just a small little nation. Uh, and it really is. It's just a small little country, 263 miles long, uh, pretty much north to south. Uh, that's all that Israel is. At its widest point, Israel is 71 miles wide. So it's not very big. Uh, it encompasses about 8,000 square miles. The country of Israel does. Now, let me give you, that, let me give you some perspective. Uh, Israel encompasses 8,000 square miles, whereas the state of North Carolina encompasses 53,000 square miles. So it's not even as big as the state of North Carolina. In fact, you could take the nation of Israel and you could fit the nation of Israel into Florida eight times. So it's tiny. It's this tiny little nation uh, way over in the Middle East on top of that, and this is really, this is why a lot of folks don't care about Israel. It's a nation that really has no major natural resources. And so we really don't, I mean, it's really not uh, an expediter of oil. It's not a place that you would go to get coal. Uh, they're not necessarily rich in natural gas. And so it's not, you know, it's not a, a place that we're gonna make tons and tons uh, of money uh, off of. And so again, the question is, preacher, what's the big deal? What's so special about Israel? Okay, I caught a glimpse of something in the news and they're being attacked right now and Israelis are being kidnapped. They're being, uh, they're being absolutely murdered in the street. I mean, without, listen, I'm talking about unarmed Israelis are being massacred in the streets as we speak uh, and so, uh, I mean, preacher, what is, what is the big deal? So I want to at least take just a few moments today, and I want to tell you what's special about the nation of Israel. Number one, Israel has been utilized as God's chosen people. Now, church, listen, we could stop right there, and I'm going to give you some scripture, but we could stop right there, and I'm going to tell you something. That's enough. That's enough. We really don't have to go any further. Listen, Israel is God's chosen people. Now, I want you to take your Bibles uh, this morning and turn to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 15. And this is the story. You say, well, where did it get its start, Pastor? Well, uh, in Genesis chapter 15, we read a story about, about Abraham. And Abraham and Sarah were, were without children. They were barren. Sarah was not able to have, she was not able to have a baby. Uh, and, uh, and we noticed that, uh, that God committed to giving Abraham a son. Not only did he commit to giving him a son, but he committed to making of uh, this son a great nation. I want to show you that. Look, if you will, in Genesis 15 and verse number one. The Bible says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And, and Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me? Saying, I go childless. And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. I don't have a son, but I have a servant. That's what he's saying. And Abram said, behold, to me thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came in him saying, this 
shall not be thine heir. In other words, the servant that's in your house, that's not going to be your heir. That's not going to be the one that you're going to, to give all your things to. But he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels or own body shall be thine heir. Verse 5. And he brought him, Abram, and he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And look at verse 6. The Bible says, And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Now what's going on? Abraham and Sarah had no child. And God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, listen, You've got a servant in your house, but that's not going to be your heir. Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. Now, boy, you remember the story. Most of you remember the story. When God gave them that news, remember what happened? Sarah laughed. You know why she laughed? They were both well up in age. I mean, they were well past childbearing years. And so when God said, I'm going to give you a son, Sarah said, there ain't no way. I mean, it's just not going to happen. Uh, there are some things that, that are possible, but that's not possible. And so she, so she laughed, but God made a promise. Now, church, I want to tell you something. If preacher makes you a promise, I can break it. If, if one of our deacons makes you a promise, I hope they keep it, but they can break it. But I'm glad I can tell you, if God Almighty makes you a promise, he's going to keep it. And God made Abraham a promise and said, Abraham, I know you don't have a child. I know that what I'm telling you seems like an impossibility. I know that you and Sarah are well past childbearing years, but I'm telling you, I am going to give you a child. I'm going to give you a son that's going to come out of your own body and he's going to have children and they're going to become like the stars of the, uh, of, of, of the universe and I'm going to make of thee a great Nation. By the way, did you know that's exactly what God did? He gave Abraham and Sarah a son, and his name was Isaac. Now, not only did he make of Israel a great nation, or Abraham a great nation, but I want you to look at this. He made them his chosen people. Now, turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Deuteronomy chapter number 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7, and again, I just, I know this is a little teachy this morning, but I believe this is important, and I believe this is especially important for our younger generation, because I really, really feel like our younger generation is a little detached from the truth that I'm preaching this morning, and so look at Deuteronomy chapter 7, and look at verse number 6. The Bible says about this nation of Israel, for thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. Now watch very closely. He says here, the Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto who? Unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. Now, that's not necessarily saying that, that the Jewish people are better than anybody else. That's not what it's saying. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. No man stands higher than I. I can call on Jesus' name and a king can do the same. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. And so you're just as good as everybody and everybody's just as good as you. But, but there is something that we cannot uh, debate about here in Scripture, that the Jewish people, the Israeli people, are God's chosen people for a special purpose. Now they are. 
And you can, you can argue that point all day long, and we may have college professors that are trying to debunk that, but I'm telling you, it is absolutely a principle of the Word of God. And, uh, and listen, it is set in stone, and it's not going to change. Uh, Israel is God's chosen people. Now turn over a few pages, look at the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 44. And look at verse number one. Again, I just want you to understand what we're talking about here. Israel has been utilized as God's chosen people. Isaiah 44, verse number one. He says, yet now hear, O Jacob, my servant, watch closely, and Israel whom I have what? Whom I have chosen. And so preacher, what's the big deal? I mean, okay, so Israel's getting bombed. All right. So they've broken through the border. All right. So they're attacking from the water. Is it, I mean, really? Is it that big a deal? By the way, I'm gonna show you how big a deal it is in just a moment. Is it really, really that big a deal? And it is a big deal. And one of the reasons it is a big deal is because Israel has been utilized as God's chosen people. But I wanna tell you something else. Number next is this. Israel was used to accomplish supernatural things. Why is Israel so important? Why are they so special? Because Israel was used to accomplish supernatural things. Now, what are you talking about? I don't have these on the screen. You'll just have to write them down. Israel, number one, Israel committed to the belief that there is only one God. Now, you understand that back in this day when Israel was established, that most all the nations of the world were what we would call polytheistic. You know what that means? That means they believed there were many gods. By the way, church, that's still going on. Nothing has changed. That's still going on. For instance, if you were to travel to the country of India, where we have some of our wonderful missionaries, Brother, uh, brother Raj, Brother uh, Nayak is there. If you were to go to the country of India and travel around India, you would soon find out that India has what they consider to be millions millions of gods, some over three million gods they have in the, in, in the country of India. You go to India and literally, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not making this up, you can check this out. You go to the parks in India, they don't feed pigeons like we do in America, they feed rats. I'm not talking about mice. I'm talking about rats. They won't kill a rat. You said, Pastor, that's absurd. <clears throat> Maybe so. You know what they believe? They believe that the gods ride on the back of the rats. And so there are, there are millions. And so nations all across the world believe and have believed for years and years and years that there are not just, there's not just one God. There are many gods. There are many gods all across, all across the universe. And yet Israel, Israel was not polytheistic. Israel was monotheistic. And Israel held to the belief that there is one God and one God only. Now, again, I want to show you some of these things. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter number, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse number 35. Deuteronomy 4, verse 35. Why is Israel so special? Because they were used to accomplish some supernatural things. One of those, the belief that there's only one God. Deuteronomy chapter four, verse 35. Under thee it was showed that thou mightest know that the Lord, he is God. There is none else beside him. 
Turn over a page and look at Deuteronomy chapter six and verse number four. Deuteronomy chapter six and verse number four. Look what the Lord says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is what? One Lord. There's not many. There's not millions. There's not multitudes. There's one. There's one. There's not many ways to heaven. There's only one way to heaven. There is only one God. And I like what little Hannah said in 1 Samuel chapter two and verse number two. She said like this, there is none holy as the Lord for there is none beside thee. Neither is there any rock like our God. Now what's so special about Israel? Israel taught that there's not many gods. There's one God, Jehovah God. He is the God. What else did Israel do? Not only, not only did Israel commit to the belief that there's only one God, number two, Israel contributed the word of God to the world. Boy, you know what? We better be thankful for Israel. Listen, do you know this book that you hold in your hand is a Jewish book? That's <laughs> where it came from. God used those Israeli people. God used those Hebrew people under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God came and, and used them to give us the precious and holy word of God. Let me show you if I could. Turn in your Bibles to Second uh, Peter chapter one. Second Peter chapter one and, and look at verse number 20. This morning, Israel contributed the word of God to the world. Boy, thank God we have the Bible. Second uh, Peter chapter one, verse number 20. Right toward the back of your Bible. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is, is of any private interpretation. Look at verse 21, Calvary. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And boy, Brother Arthur preached such a great message on Thursday night about that inspiration and preservation. And boy, thank God. You know what? God came upon these Jewish men in and he told them what to write and, and, uh, and, and thank God because of that, thank God you and I are blessed. We have one of the greatest gifts that you'll ever have is this book right here, the word of God. And so that's, why is Israel so special? Because they contributed the word of God to the world. Why is Israel so special? How about this? Israel, listen to me now. Three things I said here. Israel committed to the belief that there's only one God. Israel contributed the word of God to the world. But listen to this. Israel conceived a savior for a lost sinner. Amen. May I remind you, Jesus didn't come from Philadelphia. The Bible says in Matthew 2, verse 1, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. And so thank God, because of Israel, we have a Savior. John chapter 4, verse 22 says, for salvation is of the Jews. And so our, our Lord came from that descent. And so if you don't like Jewish people, you might not like your Jewish Savior and so Israel has been utilized as God's chosen people. Israel was used to accomplish some supernatural things. But, but look at this right here. Look at this next thing. Listen to this. Israel is ultimately necessary for other nations to be blessed. Now, I'm glad our president came out yesterday and somewhat pledged his allegiance to Israel 
And don't take this wrong. This is not a slam on him. Uh, for that matter, it doesn't matter who's in that office, but any politician who comes out and says, we're no longer standing with Israel, that's a foolish man. Very foolish. Did you know one of the greatest things that America will ever do is stand with Israel? Stand with Israel. We say, Pastor, I don't understand that though. I mean, there are many nations in the world, that's true, but there's not but one chosen nation and that's the nation of Israel. And so we ought to stand with those that God has chosen. But on top of that, if America, if America ultimately desires to be blessed, I'm gonna tell you something, we had better stand with Israel. But I wanna show you. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Genesis, chapter number 12, and look at verse number one. Oh my, here's a promise of scripture. Listen to what God says. Hey, young people, there's gonna come a day, if the Lord tarries his coming, there's gonna come a day when preacher's gonna pass off the scene. But hey, young people, I want you to keep something in mind. There's a promise. There's a promise that God made us early on. And look what he promises us in Genesis chapter 12 and verse number one. Genesis 12 and verse one. The Bible says, now the Lord, now the Lord had said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. Look at verse two. And I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great. Look at this. And thou shalt be a what? a blessing and thou shalt be a blessing. But I really want you to focus on verse number three. He says this, and, and I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Let me tell you something, church. Palestine's problem is not their poverty. Palestine's problem is not their lack. Palestine's problem is that they have cursed Israel. And God said, when you curse Israel, you can expect to be cursed yourself. And if there ever comes a time in America where we have politicians or a president who gets up and says, we will no longer stand with the nation of Israel. We will no longer be their ally. Church, I'm gonna tell you something. You better get ready. You better make sure you're born again. You better make sure your ticket is stamped and ready to go because when that day comes, guarantee it, America is gonna be a cursed nation. And God said, those who bless Israel, I'll bless Somebody says, I don't like that. You have to take that up with the boss. You'll have to take that up with, with an almighty, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient God. And God said, I'm just, I'm just telling you something. I'm setting something in stone. I'm making a promise here. If you bless Israel, you'll be blessed. You ever wonder why America... You ever wonder why America is so prosperous and so, man, God's been so good to us? How many of you ever traveled abroad? You've traveled outside America. Well, you know, don't you? Not every place is like this place, is it? In fact, most places are not like this place. And once you just get, I mean, sometimes once you just get barely outside of America, you're like, whoa, I didn't realize how blessed we are. You know, one of the reasons we are blessed in America is because, thank God, America, for all these many years, has stood by the side of God's nation. 
the nation of Israel. And so Israel has been utilized as God's chosen people. Israel was used to accomplish supernatural things. Israel is ultimately necessary for other nations to be blessed. But church, hang on to your hat. Look at this last one. Israel has some unfinished business. Now follow me. Israel has some unfinished business. Somebody says, okay, preacher, so they're in the news. Okay, they're being attacked. Okay, so bombs are falling out of the sky. Buildings are being blown up. Tanks are being destroyed. Helicopters are being knocked out of the sky. Israelis are being dragged out of their home, by the way, uh, uh, without weapons, defenseless, dragged out of their homes. Some are being kidnapped. Others are just being murdered in the street. You say, preacher, is that, you know, is that, is that really, really a big deal? It's really a big deal because how many know this, that God is going to use the nation of Israel to usher in the end of time. And here's, we've been talking about it now for, for the last couple months, but we've been talking about God's prophetic calendar, God's prophetic time clock. And as we see God's prophetic time clock winding down, listen to me now, church, don't miss this. We're done, but don't, don't miss this. As God's provided, pro, prophetic calendar and his time clock, as it winds down, you know what our, our Bible tells us? We're going to see more and more nations come against the little nation of Israel. And when you see that happen, you better look up. So is this significant? Oh, this is very significant. Take your Bibles, one last place. I want you to turn to the book of Zechariah. It's right toward the very end of your Old Testament. Zechariah chapter 14. Hey, Calvary, God started with the nation of Israel and God will end with the nation of Israel. Zechariah chapter 14, verse one. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. Look at verse two, Calvary. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, Hmm. and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, And half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then, verse 3, then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle, and his feet shall stand in that day, the Lord, and his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and on the Mount of Olives, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and west, Uh, and there shall be a very great valley, and half of the mountain shall remove toward the north, and half of it toward the south. Now, church, I'm not telling you, I'm not trying, I'm not setting dates. I'm not telling you I know when the Lord is coming because I don't know when he's coming. And by the way, for that matter, neither does anybody else. But I will tell you this, brother, when we start seeing things like this happen in an unprecedented fashion, you know what? At the very least, at the very least, it makes us want to look up and understand our redemption draweth nigh. You don't see this as much anymore. Did any of you have grandparents and when you used to visit those grandparents or stay at those grandparents' home, they had an old grand, grandfather clock. Again, you don't see that as much anymore, but used to, you'd go to your grandparents' house that have an old grandfather clock, and when that thing would strike the hour, 
Remember what that grandfather clock would do? That thing would start dinging. And it told you, man, boom, boom. But we're at the top of the hour. Church, I believe we're hearing the chime. I believe that God's clock is, God's clock is sounding. I thought about we're, we're in football season right now. And there's something in football referred to as the two-minute warning. And when that two-minute warning comes, there's a pause in the game that signifies something. It signifies that both halves are about to end. Now, church, I'm not setting times and dates. I'm not, not at all. But I am saying this. At the very least, while we're watching what's happening going on in Israel right now, we better make sure we're ready. Because I believe, I do believe this part, I believe the coming of the Lord is sooner than it is later. And I have a question for you. Are you ready? Are you ready? This is, all of this that we're watching on the news is not by accident. It's by the providence of God. And here's my question. Are you ready? Are you ready? If the trumpet sounded today, and the rapture of the church took place today. Come on now, church. Stay with me. If the rapture took place today, possibly before we even end this invitation, if the rapture took place today, are you ready? Are you ready to go? You say, Brother Pope, I'm not ready. Boy, now's your time. Now's your time. I wouldn't walk down the aisle. I'd run. I'd run. I, I'm telling you, I'd run. Man, I wouldn't wait. Listen, you don't have to wait on the preacher. You don't have to wait till I pray. You don't have to wait till we sing. You don't have to wait till Brother Abel plays. I'm telling you, if I was here this morning seeing all that's going on in our nation and around the world right now, if I didn't know that I know that I know that I know that I'm sealed and secured and ready to go, I'm telling you, I'd dive into this altar this morning and I'd say, oh God, I'm a sinner. Lord, save my soul. And you better make sure, we better make sure that we are ready for the coming of the Lord. Will you bow your heads with me all over the house this morning? Are you ready? Are you ready? That's a simple question. How many are here this morning? Nobody's looking just for a moment. Very, very, very quietly. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I am ready. I know that I know that I know that I know that Jesus is my Savior. My name is recorded in heaven. And I'm on my way there. I know it. I know it. I know it. Very, very quietly. If that's you, you just slip your hand up as a testimony. And you can take it back down. But I have another question. How many are here this morning? And you say, Brother Pope, you sort of got me concerned. I mean, all these things that are happening around the world, are you trying to say that it could be that the coming of the Lord is close? That's exactly what I'm saying. And I wonder how many are here today in this room and you'd say, Pastor, if I died today, I'm not sure that I would go. 
and I need you to pray for me. I'm not going to come back and get you. I, I don't do that. I'm not going to try to drag you down the aisle. But I tell you what I would like to do. I'd like to pray for you. I'll not pray for you by name, but the Lord will know who you are. Brother Pope, if I died today, I'm not sure I'm ready. And I care enough to slip up my hand and let you pray for me today with heads bowed and eyes closed. Very quietly right now, you just slip your hand up and say, Preacher, pray for me. Pray for me. If I died, I'm not sure. I'm just not sure. I want to be sure, but I'm not sure. Would you pray for me? Right now, you'd slip your hand up and let me pray. Can I pray with you? Can I pray with you? I see that hand. Is there somebody else? Pastor, if I died, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Would you pray for me? You just slip your hand up. Let me pray with you right now. Can I do that? I want to pray for you. All right, let me ask you this. How many are here this morning and you say, Pastor, I'm saved. I've already raised my hand about that. But as far as my Christian life and my Christian testimony, I'm just not so sure I'm ready. I mean, if I were to stand before the Lord today, I'm just not so sure. Now, I'm saved. I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. But, Pastor, as far as my testimony is concerned, I'm just not so sure I'm ready. There are some things that I need to get, I need to get adjusted. And I just want you to pray about that with me. And with heads bowed and eyes closed and nobody looking, you just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, remember me. Pray for 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 me. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. I appreciate your honesty. Thank you. I got one more question. I wonder how many are here right now and you'd say, Pastor, I'm ready. As far as I know, my testimony is right. But I have some people that I love very, very much. And I'm pretty sure they're not ready. But I sure want them to be. And if that's you and you'd say, Pastor, I'm burdened about them. And would you help me pray? Would you help me pray about that? Right now, you just slip your hand up all over the house. We're going to pray for your loved ones. We're going to pray for them. And maybe in just a moment, you may want to come and just slip out and join these that are already in the altars and just pray for those loved ones that you're burdened about today. So let's all stand. Father, thank you. Thank you for this message. Thank you for teaching us about Israel. God, thank you that it looks like at least that things are getting... Things are getting close. God, I pray that you'd help us to be ready for the coming of the Lord. Father, many, many, many hands went up around the building saying that they have loved ones. Maybe, they're, maybe they have spouses. Maybe they have children. Maybe it's a mom or a dad, a neighbor, a co-worker, somebody they're really, really burdened, heavily burdened about. They're not ready to meet the Lord. And so, Lord, you know who they are. You know their faces. You know their situations. And I sure pray that you would save them. And I pray maybe, Lord, you'd open a door for these folks to give them a witness. God, help us to be ready. Help us to be ready. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. We have some personal workers in the altars this morning with a Bible in their hand. 
And if you're here this morning and we can pray with you or, or you need prayer, we have some folks in the altar with a Bible and they would love just to, to pray with you this morning. Especially if you're here today and you say, Brother Pope, I need to be saved. I mean, that's just, that's, that's as plain as I know to put it. I need to be saved. Listen, why don't you come and let us very, very cautiously and carefully, we'll take a Bible and show you how you can know that you're going to heaven when you die. Will you come while we wait? Will you come? A lot of folks around the altars. Church, I don't know when he's coming, but I can promise you this. He's coming. He's coming because he promised he was. He's coming. Folks are still making their way to the altars. Maybe God is extending this invitation just for you. Is there anybody else that needs to come while we wait? You may look up this way. We're going to sing. We're going to sing this little chorus that just says simply, just as I am without one plea. And if you're here this morning and you still need to come, listen, come on. The altars are open. We've got somebody here that will meet you and greet you, pray with you. If you're watching live stream this morning, we're delighted to have you as a part of our broadcast. Thank you so much for watching today. There's a number on the bottom of your screen right now, 704-327-5662. And we have some people waiting by the phone to take your call. Please dial that number, and we would love to share the gospel of Jesus with you right now. We're going to sing it together, church. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to Sing it one last time today, church. Sing it out now. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed.